that you have your Bible with you this morning. I want you to go ahead and, and get that out. We're going to be in the book of First Peter, chapter 2. It's 9 through 10, not 9 through 20, but close enough. Amen? I'm only going to look at two verses this morning. That's it, just 9 through 10. As you can tell, what I'm preaching is correlating what Austin is also teaching upstairs to our children. And th- th- that's pretty neat that they're getting kind of the same thing that you're getting in here on Sunday morning. And so, First Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 10, as we jump into this second week of this new sermon series. And you can see the title. What is it? You are what? You are chosen. You know, when I was in elementary school, okay, and this has been a long time ago, amen, we're talking about back in the 1980s. All right, when I was in elementary school, every day we had P.E. Now, some of you guys are like, what? Every single day we had P.E. And Monday through Friday, and it was the class that I looked most forward to going to, although you always came back to class stinky and sweaty, amen? So when we went to P.E., many times our instructor or teacher would let us divide up and we would pick teams. Whether we're playing kickball, whether he's playing baseball, basketball, or whatever it is. So the captain would pick teams, and of course they would always pick who was the most valuable in their what? In their eyes. So they would pick the strongest. They would pick the fastest. They would pick the tallest. So the reason that you were picked was because in the captain's eyes, you brought some type of uh, value. To the group. You brought some type of value to the team. And so when I get to thinking about that, that the, the question that come up in my mind is, but what about God? What about God? Now I've heard a lot of people ask this question. Church, you ready? How does God choose people for his kingdom? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever pondered that? Have you ever prayed about that? Does God choose people based off their values like humans often do? Or does God have some type of different methodology that He uses to pick people? Well, the reality today is God chooses anyone that chooses who? That chooses Him. God chooses anyone that chooses Him. And it doesn't matter how society has labeled us. God can choose the poor. God can choose the rich. God can choose the educated. God can choose the uneducated. God can choose the popular. God can choose the unpopular. God can choose the outcast. God can choose the forgotten about, the not wanted, the left behinds, and the list goes on and on and on. You know, many times society will tell us or make us believe if we're valued or if we're important. And sometimes people will start to believe in the labels that society likes to use. And let's be honest, are we ready? The more you tell someone they're worthless, the person may actually start to what? To believe that. But here's the good news. No matter where you find yourself, 
No matter where you view yourself, God loves you. And God values you. And God has made a way for you. And God wants you. So here in this week two series of this brand new series we started last Sunday called Chameleon, all about standing out rather than fitting what? Rather than fitting in. So last week we discussed the difference between conforming to the world around us and us being transformed as God defines us. And once Christ transforms us, we then allow God to what? We then allow God to use us for His purposes, which sets us apart for His work. It sets us apart for His will. So we no longer conform to worldly standards, and we no longer fight the urge to fit in. Why? Because now we know that we are God's what? Now we know. We don't have to be chosen by the world to feel good about ourselves. Amen? Because once we know that we're saved, once we know that we're redeemed, once we know that we've been justified, once we know that we have been forgiven, once we know that we've been washed white as what? We can look at ourselves and finally say, you know what? I don't need man to value me because I know who values me. And that value comes from who? That value comes from God. Let's read 1 Peter chapter 2. Listen to verses 9 through 10. Just two verses this morning. Listen to the Word of God. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation, Peter says. A people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness and in to His marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this beautiful day, Lord. Thank you for the summertime, Lord. It's, 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 it's in the air. Uh, I know in Kentucky, you just flip a switch, Lord, and we go from, from winter, spring, into summer just like that. But God, we're thankful. Lord, we're thankful for another day of life. Lord, you have called us here. Father, you have ordained us to be here today. Father, there's something, Lord, that we need to hear. Father, there's something that we needed to do. That's worship and give and be amongst one another. And God, as we start crawling out of this pandemic, and Lord, we start remembering what it's like to be personal. Father, we start remembering what it's like to have fellowship. Lord, we start remembering what it's like to live life without fear. Father, may we continue to remember, though, who we are. Father, may we continue to know that you love us, that you have chosen us, and that, Father, you have a great responsibility and a plan for us. Father, I pray today if there's people here that are hurting with their value. Father, I pray today if there's people here that have been ran down so much, God, they don't even know who they are anymore. Father, I pray they don't leave here today not knowing that you love them and that we love them, Lord. Father, help us to be the church. Help us to be your chosen people, Lord, not just in word, but in deed as well. 
For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Now, when Peter wrote this letter, he wrote this letter to a group of Christians that were scattered throughout the northern part of Asia Minor. And so these Christians, they were aliens. They were foreigners in the land that they found themselves in, and many of them were facing suffering and persecution because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And so the purpose of this letter was to encourage. The purpose of this letter was to strengthen these believers, to have them stand fast as they endured this persecution because their future glory, their reward that was waiting on them, would far outweigh any earthly persecution that they could ever what? That they could ever go through. So Peter is seeking to encourage them in their faith. How many of you all, every now and then, need to be encouraged? Amen? We need to be encouraged in our faith. Sometimes we just need to hear Jesus loves who? Us. Jesus wants us. Jesus desires us. But we also have to be remembered of this. Sometimes we've got to be reminded just how special we are to Jesus. Because this world, this culture, this negativity, all the drama that we face from day to day, week to week, can start to weigh us what? I mean, let's be completely transparent. Over the last year and a half, many people have just lost their what? They've lost their way. Many people are struggling in their faith. Many people are struggling in their relationships. Many people have turned to other things to try to find pleasure in their lives. Many people have just walked out on God. Many people have abandoned God. Many people have decided now that maybe church is just not where they want to be. And, you know, here I am this week, and I've been telling Michael, I've been reading the book of Jeremiah. In the book of Jeremiah, here you have the prophet, and he's telling the people, he's saying, if you would just come what? Back. I would forgive you. Sometimes I think we need to hear that in our own walk with Jesus, don't we? Sometimes we as Christians, we think to ourselves, well, I'm saved, I'm sealed, I'm fine. Brother Donnie, what do I need to come back to? Sometimes you need to just come back to your, to your roots. Sometimes you just need to come back to your faith. Sometimes you need to be reminded, yes, you are special, but through being special, Jesus also has a great responsibility that he has laid upon your what? That he has laid upon your life. You know, I love my children, but my children have responsibilities. Should they clean their room? Amen. Should they clean up their dishes? Amen. Should they know how to put gas in their car? Should they know how to do things around the house? All of these things, we love our children. We tell our children how special they are, but they also know that in this life, they've got a role to fill. They have responsibilities that are right in front of them. 
So within this text this morning, I'm going to point out three things that Peter said. Get your outline ready as we start working through this together. Then Peter said this to encourage people of the faith then, and I believe he still uses this to encourage people of the faith now. Number one is this, because of your faith in Jesus, you are God's very own what? Sometimes you need to say it, amen? Sometimes you need to say these things out loud to yourself, even though the Holy Spirit's already living inside of who? Of you. Sometimes you need to hear, I am loved. Sometimes you need to hear, I am special. Sometimes you need to hear, I am chosen. And so when we look at the Scripture this morning, Peter, first thing that he tells them is because of your faith in Jesus, you are God's very own what? Possession. Now, I'm not going to try to get too theologically deep this morning, but for most theologians, the question has always been this. You ready, church? Did God choose us, or do we choose God? That's what many people want to know. And so we like to use these big words, predestined, We like to use these big words, elect. But I want to make sure that I say something very, very clear this morning. God chose all of us when he sent his son, Jesus Christ. Every single one of us he chose. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whoever shall believe in him shall not what? But you're going to have everlasting life. But here's the key. You must place your faith in who? In Jesus. You have to place your faith in Jesus. So these Christians that Peter is writing, they belong to God. Why? Because they had professed Jesus Christ as their what? As their personal Lord and Savior. And if we look at verse 9, Peter reminds these Christians, he also reminds us, he says, listen, you're a chosen race. He says, you are a chosen people. Now, why is this, God? Why am I chosen? Now, we're not saying, well, puff up your chest and walk around like you're the greatest thing ever invented since sliced bread. That's not what God is saying. That's not what Peter is saying. He's not saying, well, go out and brag and just tell everybody that you're chosen. That's not what we're talking about here. If you look at Luke 23, verse 35, the Bible says this, and the people stood by looking on, and even the rulers were sneering at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if this is the Christ of God, his chosen one. We are a chosen people because we have placed our faith in the chosen what? In the chosen one. We are a chosen people because we have placed our faith in the chosen what? In the chosen one. He doesn't stop there. Peter also says, well, guess what? You're also a royal priesthood. We've got to go back to the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, Exodus 19.6, the Bible says, And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests. So in Exodus, the title applies to Israel. But now God's kingdom of priests consists of the what? The church of Jesus Christ. 
Now, we're not saying that all Christians are ordained ministers of the gospel. But what we are saying is this, that all Christians have a corporate and individual responsibility to represent who? Jesus Christ. Whether in word or in deed, do all things in the name of whom? Of the name of Jesus Christ. So once you get saved... Once you come, once you admit, once you believe, once you confess, brothers and sisters in Christ, you have said to Jesus, from this day forward, I will pick up my cross, I will follow you, and I will go, and I will make disciples of all what? Of all people. That's what you confirmed. That's what you promised. And so when we look at this scripture, not only did it apply to the Israelites, but now the royal priesthood is who? It is you. The church of Jesus Christ. And he wasn't done then. He goes on to say, you're also a holy what? You're a holy people. You're a holy nation. Peter continues with Exodus 19.6. He says, And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy what? A holy nation. Christianity is a people set apart for the Lord. You know, I want to tell you this, church, this morning. One of the things that hinders the church of today is that when we leave these walls, we have tendencies of our actions and behavior to be very unholy. Are you with me? We have a tendency that when we leave the comfort of these walls, our Christianity gets flipped off and we start to act more what? Worldly. We have a tendency that we want to have one foot in and one foot what? Out. How many of you at night like to have one leg out of the covers and one leg in? I do. That's me. It drives my wife crazy. She's like, where's all the cover? I was like, well, I've got part of it on me and part of it off. But that's just, that's how we like to live. We like to have one foot in and we like to have one foot out. That way we don't miss out on all the what? All the fun. But yet we read the Bible and from the old to the new, it says you're supposed to be a holy what? A holy people. You're to be, to be a holy nation. And he's still not done. He says, we're God's own possession. 1 Corinthians 6.20, the Bible says, For you were bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. Now many people will say, well, preacher, I don't belong to anyone. I am my own person. I am my own man. And I do not belong to any man. I do not belong to any woman. But as Christians, we know who paid the price for our sins. Amen. As Christians, we know who went to the cross to redeem us. Amen. As Christians, we know who lived, who died, who rose again, and who gave us new life. And we are His, not because of what we've done. We are His because of what He has done. Now, you may not belong to any man. But brother and sister in Christ, I promise you this. If you do not belong to God you will live in eternity separated from God. And that is not an eternity that you want to live. 
And once Peter reminds these Christians of their special relationship with Jesus, he challenges them by reminding them of number two on your outline this morning. Because of your faith in Christ, you will what? You're going to tell others. Because of your faith in Jesus Christ, you're going to tell others about his what? About his praises. Gordon, this last Wednesday night, stood right up. He said, can I say a few words? And Gordon's a lot like me. We get a little emotional every now and then. And you'll say, well, preacher, why do you get a little emotional? Gordon, why do you get a little emotional when you start talking about Jesus? Because we know there's no one else that will ever do for us like he does. It ain't going to be your mama. It ain't going to be your daddy. It ain't going to be your teachers. It's not going to be your uncles. It's not going to be your boss. It's not going to be anyone else that will ever do for you like who? Like Jesus. And the quicker you learn that in life, I really feel like the more blessed you will be. Because here's what you will do. You will go and you will do what? You're going to tell others. And church, a lot of us tend to receive God's blessing in our lives and we're convinced, well, you know what? When God blesses me, I'm just going to keep it to who? I'm going to keep it to myself. I'm not going to tell other people what God did. God did it just for who? God did it just for me and so I'm going to keep it to myself and I'm not going to say a word. Well, I want to get biblical with you. You ready for this? Psalm 71, 15, the Bible says, My mouth shall tell of your righteousness and of your salvation all day long. Your mouth is going to tell other people of what Jesus has done in your life all day long. And let me tell you something, brothers and sisters, real quickly for some of you. Some of you are going through so much hurt and so much pain, you don't want to tell anybody about what Jesus has done in your life. And hear me this morning. That is exactly where Satan wants you to be. Because misery loves company. Misery loves company. Oftentimes, maybe we should be thinking, Lord, what do I have to be thankful for? Father. Maybe you should start every day and just make you a list. Maybe it'll change your what? Maybe it'll change your heart. Maybe it'll change your attitude. Maybe it'll change your personality. See, we as Christians, we're supposed to advance the gospel. We're supposed to be true speakers. We're supposed to be the light and the salt of the earth. And as Christians, we're supposed to live a lifestyle that doesn't conform to worldly standards. But we're supposed to live a lifestyle that reflects who? Jesus, that's who we are supposed to be. And I know it's hard. I know that it's difficult. But Jesus never said this is going to be what? Paul told Timothy, he said, if you want to live a life of Christianity, he said, brother, you're going to be persecuted. And these are the days that we live in. There's a quote that many pastors or evangelists likes to use, and it goes like this. Now, are you ready? It says this, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. I used to go along with that. But I don't necessarily buy into that completely. 
And I'm going to tell you why. You want to know why? While our actions should reflect Jesus, people have got to hear the Word. They've got to hear the Word of God, which makes the Gospel verbal. We must speak it. We must teach it. We must preach it because the Bible says, how will they know if they never what? If they never hear. Peter's addressing a group of believers who are watched at all times. People who were watching their actions. People who were listening to their tongues. And I believe the same challenge still applies to us today, church, don't you? How many times do you ever think to yourself, when I go to work, people are watching my actions? I know I have failed. I know I've failed in my life. How many times have we ever been in situations and people are listening to our tongue? Have anybody else ever failed in that? Don't all of you raise your hands up at the same time. It'll be a tremor in the church, amen? Lord, he's coming back. We all have tendencies to fail. But listen to me. How will people ever know that we're chosen? How will people ever know the lifestyle that Jesus wants to live if we don't try and what? And tell others. If we don't try to live it. I wonder who in our daily lives are watching the way we live. They're watching the way we speak. They're watching the way that we spend our time and the way we treat other people because they're interested in what we believe that makes us act that way. How many times have you ever had to have this conversation? You ready? Well, if they're going to treat you that way, I I would just treat them worse. If they're going to act like that to you, then you just what? You just act like that right back to them. If they want to degrade you, or degrade you, if they want to belittle you, if they want to run you down, if they want to stab you in the back, if they want to just talk bad about you and who you are, then you just outdo them and you just give it right back what? Well, listen to me. Even Judas broke bread with Jesus. And he never looked at Judas and looked and said, You hypocrite, you sinner, you traitor, I can't believe you'd even sit down with me. No, Jesus still gave him a chance, didn't he? He still gave him an opportunity to repent. And I'm going to tell you, I've always said the two biggest differences between Peter and Judas is that Judas felt remorse, but Peter sought forgiveness. There's a huge difference, amen? You can have remorse all you want. Well, I feel so bad, Brother Donnie, about what I did. Have you asked God for forgiveness? Have you went to the person that you harmed and asked for what? And asked for forgiveness. You can be remorseful all day long until the cows come home. But forgiveness goes a long, long way. And this is an amazing privilege that we have as God as His chosen people. To show the world around us what Christ looks like. The light that overcomes the darkness. And so this leads into point number three. Lastly, Peter makes sure that they know and Peter makes sure that we know. Because of your faith in Jesus, you've received God's gift of what? You've received mercy. Do you ever know what is mercy? Mercy is something that you receive that you didn't what? 
deserve. Something that you have received that you did not deserve. Peter says to these Christians, who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, for once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Mercy. So Peter takes this group of Christians in which many of them more than likely were Gentiles. And he takes them down memory lane to the time when their lives were stuck living in the darkness. And I bet you many of us can remember those days. Amen. But let's be honest, whether Jew or Gentile, every single person has experienced what this feels like first hand. Especially when you get saved later in life. You look back and you say, Lord, I don't know how I ever lived without you. Amen. Father, I don't know what I waited on. Lord, I don't understand why I, I, I didn't just put my faith and my trust in you years, years ago. But then you look back on your life and you think to yourself, God, thank you for saving me. Thank you for pulling me out of the darkness. Jesus, thank you for pulling me out of the pit. In chapter 1, verse 3, Peter said this, Blessed be the God of the Father of our Lord Jesus, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again. Church, let me ask you, do you remember what it felt like when you received God's mercy at the moment of your salvation? How many of you all remember what that felt like? I remember what that felt like at 11 years old when Jesus cast His grace upon me. Now, some of you have never felt that. Some of you have not yet given your life to Jesus. And some of you right now, you may be just living a life that you, you feel like, well, Lord, I, I know I'm saved, but everything in your life doesn't reflect anything about Jesus or who you're supposed to be. Think about this old hymnal. You ready? And Billy, you know this. Grace, grace, God's what? Grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's what? God's grace. Grace that is greater than all of our what? All of it. I want to remind us, church, because of His mercy and because of His grace, that you've got three little things in your, in your outline that I want to make sure that you remember this morning. Are you ready? The first one was this. Christians are what? You're sealed. Brother Donnie, what do you mean? Ephesians 1 says that we are sealed with the Holy what? With the Holy Ghost. So at that moment of your salvation, that moment of God's mercy, at that moment of God's grace, when you said, Lord Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that you rose him from the dead. And I confess Jesus as my professional, as my personal Lord and Savior. At that very moment, Jesus sealed you with who? The Holy Ghost. And nothing can break that what? Nothing can break that seal. Christians aren't not just sealed, but Christians are also what? The second one. Christians are signed. We're signed. But Brother Donnie, what do you mean? Luke 10, 20 says, Rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. Amen? Did you know that once you get saved, your name is written in a what? You join the club. Once you got saved, your name was written in the book of life. That's how important you are to Jesus Christ. 
You are sealed. You are signed. And the next one is this. Christians are secure. You are secure. John 10, the Bible says, My sheep heard my voice, and I know them. They follow me. I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. I often get times asked this question, Brother Donnie, do you believe that people can lose their salvation? And here's what I'm going to tell you. Are you ready? I don't believe sometimes you can lose something that you never received to begin with. Oh, Brother Donnie, I had this emotional movement at the Billy Graham conference 20 years ago. Oh, Brother Donnie, I had this emotional movement and, and everybody went up and so I went up just to, just to go up. Let me ask you something. You ready for this? When you get saved and Jesus seals you with the Holy Ghost, do you think you're strong enough to break that seal? Come on. You can't break it. So when you get saved, when it's genuine and God knows and you know the Bible says you cannot break that seal. And so we are reminded constantly through the Word of God. We're reminded constantly by the Holy Spirit that lives within us that we are sealed and secured. And this is the kind of thing that God can do with any of us. This is the kind of transformation that Peter is encouraging to these people in his letter. He's challenging his readers to remember who and whose they are. He is challenging them to step up in their calling and represent Jesus to others around them, both in their word and both in their deed, even though they know that persecution is all around them. You know, there's a good chance when you leave here today, you may run into somebody that treats you like dirt. There's a good chance that when you leave here today and you go back to your job on Monday, go back to school, go back to wherever it is that you're going to go, there's a good chance somebody's going to treat you like dirt. And so the response is this, how will you treat them? Are you going to treat them like Jesus or are you going to treat them like the world? See, the bottom line encouragement for all of us is this. God can use any of us if we're willing to place our faith in who? In Jesus Christ. Through Jesus, you are transformed. Through Jesus, you are chosen. Through Jesus, you are the messenger of the greatest news that this world has ever, ever known and ever will. The question is, have you placed your faith in Jesus? The question is, do you realize how special you are? Do the question is, maybe do you need to come forward this morning and ask Jesus into your heart? question is, do you need to come this morning and say, Lord, I need to reaffirm my commitment to you. I need to reaffirm my commitment to the church. Father, I need to reconfirm my heart and my attitude and what's important to me in my life. Listen, when you walk out these doors this morning, Every one of us is going to go in different directions. Every one of us has a world to live in. Amen? Somebody in Sunday school this morning, they said, where do you see the church in 20 years? And a lot of people are saying the doors are going to be closed. A lot of people are saying that the church is just going to quit to exist. Church, let me tell you something real quick. If that happens... 
It's nobody's fault but our own. That means we have quit telling people of his praises. That means we have decided to become closed mouth. That means we have decided to quit being an evangelist. That means we have decided as long as we're good, I'm good. I don't know about you, but I want to see people get saved. Amen. I want to see revival. Amen. I want to see churches explode again like I know that they can. But it's only going to be through Jesus. So this morning as Brother Billy comes and we have our time of invitation, maybe you need to come and pray this morning. Say, Father, thank you for loving me. Lord, thank you for choosing me. Father, thank you for making a way in my life that I can love you and I can love others and tell them of you. Or maybe this morning you just need to come and say, Father, forgive me, Lord. There's a lot of things in my life, Father, I need you to fix and I can't do it by my what? By myself. And so whatever it may be this morning, whatever God has placed on your heart this morning, as we stand and as we sing, this is your invitation. This is your opportunity to come. This is your opportunity to pray. So will you come this morning as we stand?